All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick in order to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Ah, Christmas, that time of year when we come together and somebody inevitably baits you with a political question that ends up ruining Christmas dinner. Well, not to fear, today we're actually going to give you three tips, three very important tips for how to navigate the political discussions of the holiday season in order to make sure that you come through unscathed and not totally destroying your relationship with your in-laws if it's not already destroyed. All that coming up next on Making the Argument, where we make the arguments to defend a free society. All right, first thing is first. And I have to do this because it, it's a really good friend of mine. And because there are some of you that are going to listen to this podcast today or maybe even potentially tomorrow on Christmas Eve and think to yourself, oh my gosh, there was that one friend that I forgot to get something for. And that friend is a total political junkie and, and they're going to need this. They're going to need this, all right? So the, it's called BillBrief.com. B-I-L-L-B-R-I-E-F.com, BillBrief. Sent by a good friend of mine, Laura. She's done a lot of work in politics. Uh, she's done communications up on in, in Washington, D.C. She's worked on political campaigns. She's basically seen politics and policy making from multiple different angles and perspectives. And one of the things that she does with BillBrief.com is she actually goes in and she looks at the various things that are happening in Washington, D.C., many of which are things that the mainstream media is either not covering or covers in such a way that you are misinformed rather than informed after listening to it. So if you want to get like a quick newsletter that tells you about all the important things that were going on, billbrief.com. Now look, understand something. She doesn't pay for our show. She didn't pay for a promo. She didn't do any of this. I've just been so impressed by the work that she's done. And because so many of us are at a point where we don't have time to like just pour over every single bill or policy. And we just don't trust a lot of the sources that we're getting our news. And what I like about Laura is that she doesn't pull punches with the right. She doesn't pull punches with the left. She just talks about what politicians are doing, supposedly on your behalf, right? And she gives you a good overview of what's taking place. So billbrief.com. Go to that, sign up, get her newsletter. You are not going to be disappointed. If you're tired of being misinformed every time you try to be informed, this is the place to go to be able to get some really good hot takes about what is going on in Washington, D.C. and why you should know and understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Billbrief.com. Again, Laura's great. Um, you're, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. It's a great gift for, again, that political junkie or friend of ours. You don't need to even tell them how much it costs, right? It's only like $5.99 a month. You don't even need to tell them that. You can just tell them that, you know, you have this insider friend of yours that gave you this advice and now you're hooked up and they feel like they're on the inside, which is great because Laura is actually providing um, some real perspective from, from having served within the belly of the beast in Washington, D.C. 
All right, BillBrief.com. Okay, let's get to our three points. Three points that you need to know, that you need to observe before going into this holiday season in order to effectively engage and defend what it is that you believe. Because, right, the whole purpose of this podcast is making the arguments to defend a free society. So, what is step number one? Well, let's lay out the scene. You are sitting there. Maybe it's Christmas Eve dinner, right? Let's do Christmas Eve dinner. You're sitting there. You're at the table. Um, your mother-in-law has just cooked a wonderful turkey or prime rib or whatever else it is that you have. And you're, you're sitting around the table and you're there with your wife and your kids are sitting over at the card table with your brother-in-law's kids and, and everything else. And then all of a sudden, the crazy uncle, or maybe it's the sociology major that just returned from UC Berkeley having discovered that Western civilization is evil, throws out a question or a comment or a statement that you know, at least in some level, is specifically directed at you, right? There's this expectation because maybe you're the person in the family that's a little bit more politically engaged or a little bit more willing to you know, fire off on Facebook. And so it's, it's almost this thing where you know you're being baited, right? You're being baited. And should you respond? And how should you respond? And what are the multiple ways that you're going to take down this absurd argument that someone just made that clearly needs to be refuted? And here's the first thing I'm going to tell you to do. The first question that you need to ask yourself is not, how do I, how do I respond to this? How would I do this? How, you know, what sort of argument do I use? What, what sort of approach do I take? That is not the first question you have to ask yourself. The first question that you have to do is using your knowledge of the people in the room, of where they're at, of maybe their backgrounds, of what their expectations are during the holidays. The first question you ask is, do you respond at all? And let me tell you why this is so important right now. You're going to think this is, this is obvious, right? I don't want to respond because I don't want to start a fight. I don't want to ruin Christmas Eve dinner. I don't want my in-laws mad at me, you know, whatever. Okay, yeah, great. That might all be true, but that's not the only reason you do this. In fact, when I go to events, when I go to events where people have showed up to listen to me talk about politics, people maybe have even showed up to listen to someone challenge me on politics, I am still very careful to try to understand my audience. Try to understand why are they there and what, what, how do I respond and how do I talk in such a way that has the best impact and does the best job representing what I believe, right? So you've got to understand your audience. When people have showed up to a political event, how much more so is that important when people have not showed up to a political event, right? Because there are going to be some people there that might want to pull out the popcorn and watch, you know, the battle begin. There's going to be other people there that might be genuinely interested or curious, and then there's going to be some people that are like, I did not sign up for this crap, right? And almost nobody in a, in a family holiday situation has ever signed up for the crap that descends into nothing more than pointing and name calling and, and you know, bringing up all the worst parts of our respective pasts, right? Nobody signs up for that on a holiday. They may, they may expect it, but they don't want it. So it is so important for you to understand what is going on, not simply because you don't want to ruin Christmas dinner, have a bad relationship with, with friends and family. But because in another way, it's actually a great, great way to argue for what you believe. Sometimes refusing to engage in the conversation in that environment is actually an argument that you are making on behalf of what you believe. Let me explain. As I've said many times before on this podcast, politics is ultimately about worldview. And one of the biggest things that people who are observing political interactions are, are looking for it is what is your capacity to sympathize, empathize, and kind of understand not just what's important to you, but what's important to them. And one of the arguments I continually make 
for individual liberty, personal responsibility, private property rights. One of the arguments I, I constantly make for this is that, again, we're the people that actually want people to be free, to enjoy their lives, to have self-determination. And there's certain necessary preconditions to that, right? And among those is, again, you, you being able to go out and live your life the way you want, providing you're not infringing on the liberty of others. Like, we're not trying to use force or coercion to get you to do what we want. But in a situation like this, where you have people at the table that are aware of where this conversation can potentially go and how bad it can potentially get, and somebody else has initiated this conversation, and you choose to not engage because you don't want it to descend into that environment, that is making an impression on somebody that you will probably not convince by immediately starting off with some sort of argument on whether tax policy is garbage or whether education policy doesn't make sense or whatever else it is, right? Because you took the time to understand the environment, when in the military we used to call the operational environment, because you took time to understand that, you've realized that, you know what, in this moment I will have the greatest impact with respect to whether or not people respect what I have to say on a topic if I don't say anything now and I save it for a more appropriate time. Because in the back of their minds, they're gonna remember when I had the opportunity to defend what I believed in, I chose to have respect for the environment that I was in and to engage at a different time. People remember that. And that's one of the things that I always emphasize to people when they're, when they're talking to your friends is that the debate of the conversation is not just between you and the person you're talking directly to, right? The larger argument is being made to a broad audience that is sitting you watching you make it and they are watching more than the words you say. They're watching your tone. They're watching to see whether or not you understand the environment that you're operating through and you're respectful of that environment. So that's step one. Step one is read the room, understand the situation, understand the environment, and determine whether or not it's actually appropriate to engage at all. And, and again, you, don't, you won't hear me say this a lot, but sometimes not engaging is actually one of the better arguments that you can make for what you believe at that moment. That doesn't mean ever. Like I can't stand people that are, or I can't stand it when people say, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm never going to make an argument for what I believe. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll conduct myself appropriately. Okay, great. Conduct yourself appropriately. That's always the, the right course of action. But there are times when you got to stand up and defend what you believe. It's just that sometimes, sometimes, and this may be one of them, I think holiday dinners may be one of them, sometimes it's best to let that slide and demonstrate to everybody that you're not willing to destroy the entire evening so you can have your say. And because you're willing to do that, they'll be more willing to listen to you later when it really counts and they're actually prepared to hear your position. All right, so that's step one. What is step two? Step two, ask questions. Now, anybody that's listening to this podcast knows that I emphasize asking questions when you're engaging in an honest dialogue with somebody. Now, there are times when dialogue is not necessarily honest, right? Or um, this is something where it's more of a combative environment. It's designed to be more of a combative environment. But... Typically speaking, asking questions is a great way to be able to not only make your point, but actually have a better understanding of the perspective of the other person that you're engaging with. And you've all heard me say that before. I think everyone kind of acknowledges that there, there's truth in that. Um, there's another component to this that I want to add that I haven't really talked about before. And I'm going to give a lot of credit to you know some friends and whatnot that I've been talking to that have actually engaged in counseling and things like that. A good friend named, uh, interestingly enough, Nick. Um, who was discussing this well, is the idea that when you ask the question, how you ask it and the words you choose to use makes sense. Now, most people, when they hear that statement, are thinking, yeah, tone. 
I, I shouldn't ask a question in an overly sarcastic way or a question that is so obviously loaded that the people understand it's not a question, it's a trap, right? Or it's an accusation in the form of a question. Yes, that's all true. But there's actually something more subtle than that. Did you know that when you start a question with why, so like somebody is asking, so you're engaging in a dialogue. I'm not talking about a generic question of why, but you're engaging in a di dialogue with somebody and they say something and you say something like, why do you think that? Or, or why do you say that? The moment you say why, it actually more often than not, it ends up triggering in somebody else this defensive mechanism. Because they don't feel that you're just questioning the statement that they made or the source that they use. They feel like they are being personally questioned. Right? That their credibility is in question. If they don't answer this next part correctly, that, that could be harmful to them. And so now there's, there's almost this instant adversarial mood that is created when you look at them and you say, why X? So how do you do it then? So how do you, how do you ask an effective question? And what is, what is the differing result is, uh, when you use different terminology? So for instance, when you say what, what makes you say that? Or what led you to believe that? Another one that you can use is, is oh, that's really interesting. Where did, you know, where did you read about this? Or where did you learn about this? See, when you ask what, and, and sometimes where, but when you ask what, now all of a sudden it triggers a different part of the brain, generally speaking, where people no longer feel like you're challenging their credibility, but rather you want to have a greater understanding of how they came to the conclusion or why they said what they said or whatever else it might be. Now it's not something where it's you against them, right? Where if they don't answer correctly, you know, you've got them or their credibility is in question. Now you guys are both essentially on, a, on an intellectual journey of discovery. You are trying to figure out why something is a particular way and you're both moving toward that point as opposed to defending opposing positions, right? So asking what is critical to this process because again, it, it sets up the mindset. It sets up the necessary preconditions within the discussion to be able to have a productive one. And another key component of that, right, is before you ask that question, is you have to effectively listen. And effective listening is not, okay, I'm hearing what you say and then I'm keeping a mental track of everything that you say wrong so that when I respond to it, I can do so in such a way to where I can destroy your argument. That's not what I mean, right? It's like my good friend Nate likes to say, you gotta listen with the intention of understanding, not just with the intention of responding. Because as you're listening, that's actually helping you do step one. And step one was, again, sizing up the room, understanding your operational environment. So as you're listening to someone ask a question, the mannerisms, the terms they use, the experiences, right, that they relate to, the particular discussion of the statement or the question that they're asking, is giving you important insight into the nature of the question or really the nature of the discussion. And the more you can understand about that other person and where they're coming from, or the more you can understand how this question might be being processed by other people in the room based off of their individual experiences, the better off that you're going to be on, again, arriving at a logical conclusion, arriving at the truth. So the this, this second part of asking questions is based first in listening effectively, listening with the intent of understanding, and then asking questions both for the purpose of achieving greater understanding so if you're confused about why they may have said something or what might be motivating a particular position, you can ask questions in such a way as to, to allow them to provide you insight 
So instead of assuming what their motivation is or assuming where they're coming from, you've allowed them to tell you. And they feel better about the fact that they've had their say on where they're coming from and where their heart is truly at. So that's really important. It's that listen and then ask questions. But when you ask the questions, make sure that you're using words that are actually going to facilitate a better conversation and better understanding. And this goes into the third point. And this is something I saw Jordan Peterson talk about and I thought was at the same time very brilliant and in some ways very convicting for me. And it's, it's along the lines of something that my wife always says because when I'll, when I'll engage in a discussion sometimes my wife will ask me, well, was your job to win the argument or was it to convince somebody of something? Because it, sometimes it can be the same thing, right? Sometimes it can be. But not all, not all the time. And especially in a, in a family setting where presumably this isn't, you know, one political party talking to another or one talking head talking to another or one advocate talking to another. This is someone that there's some sort of family or bond of, of family or friendship with this person that presumably you want to maintain on some level. And, and honestly, in the spirit of Christmas, we should kind of fill this toward all of humanity on some level, right? It's the idea that I'm not trying to beat you in an argument. I'm trying to get to a point where both of us arrive at truth. And what Jordan Peterson pointed out about that process because obviously he does a lot of work in, in psychology. He said, if someone comes in and asks me for help, they ask a question or they make a statement or whatever it is, he goes, and I offer them advice on a particular course of action on what they should do or what they shouldn't do. And then they go and do it and it yields positive results. Do they get credit or do I get credit? And one of the things he pointed out that I thought was very insightful is that if you genuinely care about the other person arriving at something that is true and being able to adopt it, they need to be able to adopt it as their own. It can't be something where you grab them by the scruff of the neck, you know, brought them to the truth, threw them down on top of it, and said, look, you idiot. Because even if they end up acknowledging it, on some level they're probably resenting you for it. And as soon, and at some point, it's just human nature. They're going to look for somebody else to provide them an alternative explanation, which allows them to once again walk in away from the truth. Because it's not, it's not, it's not truth anymore that they feel like they were able to arrive at. So you're going to have to ask the question: Do you want to walk away from this conversation, being able to beat your chest and say, "Look at how stupid I made you feel," and look how obvious it is to either yourself or at least everyone else around you that I won this argument, or are you embarking? on something of an intellectual journey with another person where you're both going to arrive at something, you're going to arrive at the truth and both of you are better off from the experience because even if you were fundamentally right from the beginning about where the direction was, if you were even fundamentally right at the beginning about where the conclusion was, that doesn't mean the other person can't contribute to that discussion based off of their perspective or their understanding or their experiences. They're providing insight so that when you both arrive, you can both say, you know what? Both of us contributed to this journey to arrive at the correct conclusion. And now it's not something that was imposed upon them. It was something that they were able to discover. And your participation in that process is something that they're appreciative for, not resentful of. So I can't emphasize how important that is. That's the third point, right? Make up in your mind. Are you here to win an argument or are you here to actually engage in a collaborative effort with another person that you care about so that both of you can be smarter 
and wiser and more knowledgeable at the end of the discussion. Because if you can do that, you're going to find that you not only made an effective argument for what you believe, but you did so in such a way to where people can truly adopt it as something of their own. And that's one of the biggest things that is missing now. It's one of the biggest questions a lot of parents have is why is it that when my kids leave my house and they go into a university environment they, or they get away from home, there's this, there's this rebellion that takes place. And for some people, it's a, it's a quick rebellion. It's a quick rebellion, then reality sits in, they remember what they were taught, and, and, and they essentially come home, in a sense, to what they believe. And for other people, it, it's, a, it's a much longer, if not permanent, departure. And the thing that I always remind people is like, just like when we're talking about our faith, if, if your faith is something that your kids just inherited from you and it's not their own, then don't be surprised when they walk away from it. And that's not totally on you as a parent. It's not totally on you as, as another person in this conversation. People make their own decisions. But the question is, is, are you facilitating the discussion in such a way where someone can arrive at truth to where they truly see it as their own? And I don't mean ownership in the sense that your truth and my truth. I mean ownership in the sense that there is a truth. And because you were able to assist them, and because they were able to participate in that journey, they were able to arrive at it and truly understand and accept it. So let's do a quick recap. Quick recap. Step one, size up your operational environment. Decide whether or not engaging right now is the best thing to do. It may be that you don't engage over the holidays. And the next time that you're all together for some reason, family reunion, whatever it is, and something comes up and it's a more appropriate time, you will be shocked at the people that remembered that you were the one that was able to, to demonstrate and exercise a little bit of discipline because you were concerned and you cared about how everyone else felt during that holiday season instead of feeling the absolute need to engage in a hostile political debate at the dinner table. Step two, this has to do with listening and then asking questions. So you listen with the intent to understand. And then once you do that, you ask questions. And as you ask those questions, you don't focus on those sorts of questions. They're going to cause people to be automatically defensive. You really open up the whole world of questioning in such a way to where you are allowing them to help you get a better understanding of what you believe. And at the same time, they're going to get a better understanding of what they believe. And then finally, that third point is you engage with someone based off of how you ask the questions or the statements you make in such a way to where they understand that, again, you guys are both on a journey to try to arrive at truth in such a way where both of you contributed, both of you participated, and both of you can take ownership of that, right? Not where somebody has won and the other person has been defeated. And if you can do these things, not only will you be an excellent representative of what you believe, but you actually find it's a, it's a far more effective way to foster and maintain and allow you know, important relationships to you in order to flourish instead of wither and die. So that's my message of Christmas hope for you, right? There is hope. Um, and obviously, you know, as a Christian, I find that hope in Christ every time I celebrate uh, Christmas. And I hope that if you find yourself in one of these situations where you're not really sure what to do, I hope this has been helpful for you. And so you can use it in a way to effectively engage while at the same time demonstrating to the people that you love around the holidays that you genuinely love them and that your philosophy of that, your, your worldview, doesn't just include winning political debates but genuinely understanding the needs and concerns of those around you that you care about and being able to help and meet those needs 
even in something as simple as a dinner table conversation. Once again, thank you for joining us in making the argument. I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas, a wonderful holiday season. And once again, if you're looking for that last minute gift that you can go online and get for your friend, billbrief.com. Again, Laura doesn't send me any money. She's not like a sponsor of the podcast. I'm doing this because I think she does excellent work. And I think that there's a drastic need for more people to be able to get information from a source that is going to give it to you straight and is not trying to manipulate you in the process. So billbrief.com, if you're looking for that last minute Christmas gift, once again, God bless you all. And we'll see you on the other side of Christmas. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.